Gospel of John, chapter 5, verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the chief gate of Pool, an Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? And the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool where the water is stirred up, and while I am going another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, the man who said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is this man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. Verse 18. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. And God, when you come to your inspired word here in spirit, we ask that you use it, shape us, help us understand, as we've already asked and requested of you, we ask right now in this place that you move and, and teach us as only you can. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So, there in verse 1 of this passage, there was a feast of the Jews. And John does not tell us what the feast was. Apparently, it wasn't important for him to identify what feast, what feast it was. It could have been Passover. It could have been another feast. But the, the point is that Jesus is going to Jerusalem. The idea of a feast being included by John just gets Jesus to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem, there was this sheep gate, and by the sheep gate, there's a pool, and, and in Aramaic, and it's called Bethesda, and it has these roofs, these colonnades, so there are these lame people, these paralyzed people, that are in this area of the pool. And what the, what the belief was is that at periodic times, the water would be stirred up, that's true that that happened. And the belief was that the first one that got into the water would be healed. A superstition, but that was the belief. And evidently some people who had gotten into the water may have felt better. 
they were very, it was very likely to be something like we would know as a mineral bath, I mean, hot springs. In, in fact, some of, some of the historical information mentions the coloring of the water, which tells the scholars that, that the water that came in from an underground spring from time to time stirred up the water, gave the water a different kind of a coloring. It was some kind of a mineral water but the idea was that as this water was churning, whoever was the first to get into the water would be healed. And we see in verse 7, something like that is going on. Something is going on like that. In verse 7, the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. So someone's getting in front of him. He can't get into the pool. He can't get uh, his, his healing. And so that's why, as I mentioned earlier, that, that section there is not included in the English Standard Version. And, and, and in all translations, most all of them, there's a note there about the second half of verse 3 and verse 4, which says this. If we were to insert that second half, uh, that there were these, these people that were invalids waiting for the moving of the water for an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred the water. Whoever stepped in first after stirring the water was healed of whatever disease he had. That is the phrase that is taken out to not be inspired text by the, the but that was the attitude that whoever put that there was trying to communicate this is what was going on. The problem was it wasn't inspired and shouldn't have been there. But anyway, that's the attitude of the people. That an angel was stirring up the water. I could be healed if I got into that water. And so this man, his focus is on getting into that water. And then, of course, he comes to meet Jesus. Now the overarching question in, in John we've seen week to week that the, the big question in front of everyone is who is Jesus? Who, who is He? He is so different than what we've known in the past. It, who is He? He says things that are different. He does things that are different. His attitudes are different. He's very knowledgeable about the things of God. Who is He? And they're trying to come up and to understand who this man is. Now, in the first chapters that we've already taken a look at, chapters 2, 3, 4, there's this hesitancy about who Jesus is. Not sure who he is. Some follow. Others are really, really hesitant. But starting here in verse 5, or chapter 5, the Apostle John is making a transition in his writing a transition and what we see is there's this outright resistance against Jesus. It's growing and it's growing and it's growing. There's an urgent resistance and it's, there's this, this uh, hatred even that grows for Jesus. And that is starting here at verse 5 and we even see that at uh, verse 18. That's why I included it today. Not that we'll get to it today, but I included it. That is why the Jews, the religious leaders... We're seeking all the more to kill him. That's the hostility that was growing at this point. They were wanting to kill him. Now, if you look at this passage, 
there are, and there is one word that is so, so important. I just highlighted it to you. Verse 9. Now that day was the Sabbath. Verse 10. It was the Sabbath. Verse 16. Because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. Verse 18. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath. So the Sabbath is an enormously important issue right here. The Apostle John, as he writes under the inspiration of the Spirit, is repeating the word the Sabbath. The Sabbath is of central importance to these religious leaders, to the nation as a whole, but to the Apostle John as he's writing to us today. So when we think of, of Sabbath, Sabbath means to cease or to, to stop something. To, to take a rest, to take a Sabbath. We may be familiar with that. And the Jews saw the, the seventh day of the week as being a Sabbath, and there was supposed to be a rest, a rest, for, a rest from work. Well, the question was, what was work? And so there was a rabbinic tradition that had, had developed We'll see in a, in a few moments what is included in the Old Covenant and what's included there regarding the, the Sabbath. But that had developed because the Sabbath was so very, very, very important to the, the Hebrews that this tradition had built around the Sabbath to the point that there were 39 categories of uh, prohibitions. And, and then underneath those prohibitions, well, there were more uh, under those, but 39 major prohibitions regarding the Sabbath that are not found in the Scriptures but are in the rabbinic tradition. And really the, the, the idea of the Sabbath was to take a, take a rest or to, to cease from from work as far as profit-making activity. You, you, the work, the, the, the cultivating and the, the farming and the, the raising of animals, the work, their, their employment. That was the, the general idea. And that included carrying things, and it also uh, included the limits on the distance that you a person could, could travel according to that rabbinic tradition. But the idea was to take, take a, a rest. And as I say, there's part of those categories, one of those categories deals with carrying things. The rabbis were afraid that by doing that, that was somehow uh, a work, and it was a violation of the Sabbath, and so there was a prohibition in that way. So this man is carrying his man. Jesus heals him, and what does Jesus say? Get up, take your bed. Not an accident, he says that. Take your bed and walk. And then the religious leaders say in verse 10, it's the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to take up your bed. So there's an issue. Jesus is real intentional. He's extending mercy sovereignly. All of these paralytics here, many, many people, 
people. Jesus sovereignly selects this one. Why he doesn't heal all of them, we don't know. But he, he selects this one, heals him, tells him to pick up his bed and walk. And Jesus knows full well that that religious leaders aren't going to go for, for that. He's sparking some controversy here with that telling this man to do that. We'll look a little bit uh, more closely at that next week. But today we want to think about the Sabbath and what the, the, the importance of the Sabbath, what it meant to the Jews and why it was so, so very, very important to them. Shabbat why that was so important and to be participating in some kind of work on the Sabbath was a great threat to the nation and a, a great offense to the, the religious tradition. So he comes down here, he meets this man who's been an invalid for 38 years, the man's incurable. He, he's got something in there that, that needs restoration, but there seems to be no means whatsoever that can deal with this problem. And then Jesus comes along and deals with it. And we'll, we'll see here in, in just a moment the, the, how this Sabbath gained such importance to the Jews. And to do that, let's just turn in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. So in Genesis chapter 1, we have the account of God's creation. We come to Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, and we, we read this. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day, the day that we know is Saturday. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, because, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So this is a pattern in the account of creation. God does all of this creative, beautiful work. And then comes to this seventh day, this Sabbath day, and he rests. And, and he's not resting because he's weary. He's not resting like we might as creatures to, to take a nap. He's resting meaning that he is appreciating, he's taking satisfaction in his work. So, for the Jews, later we'll see that this is dealing strictly with, with God and what God is doing in Genesis 1, 1 and 2. But for the Jews, the idea of taking a Sabbath was to take a break from your creative work. Your work is creative work. During whatever employment you're in, it's creative work. You're, you're creating something, whether you're school work or, or in the office or maybe the arts or whatever. You're, you're creating some, something. And the idea was to take perhaps farming, raising animals, creating something there, working with it. Take a rest from that and 
their root here in Genesis. Very, very, very important for the nation of Israel. So that for, for Israel, the Sabbath really dealt with identity. Their uh, identity of who they were as, their, as a people. And for them to, to, to obey the Sabbath, to, to rest on the Sabbath, was a declaration of who they were as God's people. And when they together took that rest, when they observed that Sabbath rest, they were declaring, we are Yahweh's people. We are the, the Creator's people. You'll notice in that Genesis passage, verse chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, that in verse 3, that, that phrase ends, because God rested from all His work that He had done in creation. So when they took a Sabbath rest, which the other nations didn't, didn't do, they didn't observe it on this seventh day, whatever pagan God they may have embraced these other nations. When the Jews did it, they were declaring that Yahweh was their God and God, Yahweh was Creator God and they were, they were the people of Yahweh rooted back in to Genesis chapter 2. It was very important regarding their, their origins, who they, who they were as uh, people. Just moving forward, we'll look at several scriptures here from the Old Testament just to get our context because this issue, along with a couple other important ones, but this issue is going to be a, a driving force that puts Jesus on that cross towards the end of the Gospel of John. So it helps us to see the picture of the Sabbath and the importance of it. If we just move forward in our scriptures, we can look at Exodus. Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16. Genesis, Exodus chapter 16. And when we do that, we see something about this national identity. Exodus chapter 16, verses 22 through 26. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each, and when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded, tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake, and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over lay aside to be kept till morning. So they laid it aside till morning, and Moses commanded them, and it did not sting, and there were no worms in it. Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none, speaking of the bread from heaven, the manna from, from heaven. Gather it, but none coming on that day. 
we just stay in our, in our Bibles here and we, we turn on over to Exodus chapter 20. We find the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. And in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. This is the law coming through Moses. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Holy being distinct, special, set apart, sanctified. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy, made it unique, made it special. So here's the law of Moses. Now prior, prior to Moses, this law wasn't, wasn't present until we come to Exodus. We see Exodus here, this emphasis on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is part of the Mosaic Covenant. The, the covenant with Moses. And as we'll see in a few moments, it's a sign. It's a very important sign of the covenant. But here, that, that covenant law of, of Moses, the law of God given through Moses, given in the Ten Commandments, those first three commandments, you'll, you'll notice uh, this God, one God, no idolatry. Verse 7, do not take the Lord and the name of the Lord your God in vain. And then the Sabbath. Take, make this day holy and, and, and think about the things of God. And then after that, the relationships with people. Think, you, thinking about our relationships with people. But right there in the middle is this, this Sabbath. Very interesting. And this is the space that it takes up. The raw space that the Sabbath takes up in the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue, in Exodus 20. Worship of God, our relationships with other people that that uh, Sabbath right there in the middle, right there in the center of that. So the origins and identity of Israel so important. Of course, they identified with Moses. Here comes the law. The law specifically says to take the Sabbath and keep it holy. So it was a very, very special day for these people. We could uh, turn on in our scriptures, we do want to remember that their declaration in keeping the scriptures, it is a declaration of the, the heritage that they have with Yahweh, a special people of Yahweh's. They're supposed to take this Sabbath, and, and although the law wasn't given until Moses, Law wasn't given until uh, Exodus. They see, they look back into the creation account and they see that picture of God that we looked at in, in Genesis and they have that kind of identity being the people of God. The creator God. Yahweh. Supreme God. This, this Sabbath is a, a sign 
for the people. A very, very important sign. It's a sign of the Mosaic Covenant. Now, when God made his covenant with Noah, the sign was a rainbow. When God made a covenant with Abraham, the sign was circumcision. God here is making a covenant with Moses, and the sign is the Sabbath. Exodus chapter 31. Exodus chapter 31, verses 12 through 18. said to Moses, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between you and me throughout the generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. Remember the day, the seventh day was sanctified by the, made holy by the Lord, sanctified by the Lord. Now, the Lord is sanctifying, setting apart a people. Verse 14, you shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done, and but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. This is something done to the Lord in honor of the Lord, in worship of the Lord, in obedience uh, of the Lord. It's done to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel. Notice that between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. He gave to Moses then he had, when he had finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai the two tablets of the testimony tablets of stone written with the finger of God. So this this is a sign. The Sabbath is a sign. It's not just any old ordinary day. You cut out an hour to go to the temple or go to the synagogue or maybe sing a song or two for 20 or 30 minutes. No, 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 no. It, it's a, a serious thing to be considering that this is a sign between God's covenant people, Israel, and in Himself. So He gives this to them. Staying right there in Exodus. Exodus 35, just a couple chapters forward. Moses assembled all the congregation of the people. It says in Exodus 35, verse 1, Moses assembled all the congregation of the people, all, all the congregation of the people of Israel and said to them, 
These are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. Six days work shall be done, but on the seventh day you shall have a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work shall be put to death. You shall kindle no fire in your dwelling places on the Sabbath day. So that was a clear-cut specific instruction regarding fire. But notice... That Sabbath of solemn rest, verse 2, holy to the Lord. So this cessation of work or, or resting, staying in bed all day was not the idea. <laughs> Sleeping all day was not the idea. It's a sanctified, holy day to the Lord. And people were supposed to be joyful about what God had done in their life and, and who they were and their identity you were a people that God saved he saved you out of Egypt a special and holy day and remembering who they were and remembering that God provided for them on that day when, when no bread came God provided enough for them to be sustained through that seventh day remembering these things and so the, the homes of the people they they, the Sabbath would begin at sundown on Friday and continue on to a little after sundown on, on Saturday. They would open there on Friday with a, a song, a hymn. And there would be some good food, some joy that they experienced and they participated in. And that, that particular evening, Friday evening and on Saturday, is some joy in, in, in eating good, rich food. Then they'd finish the time with a, a song. And they'd re remember the Lord. Now, again, the importance of it, Passover is celebrated once a year. Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, once a year. Very important. The Sabbath is no more important than those holidays, but this one is every week. <laughs> a seven-day cycle. By the way, isn't it interesting that we're on a seven-day cycle and nations have been for all of these centuries? Why is it not an eight-day or a nine-day or a ten-day would be a good number? Ten-day calendars and cycles for all of these thousands of years. Seven-day cycle. That in itself is a testimony to the wonder of Yahweh. All of the nations in the world, in common grace, even today, are bowing to the seven days. So, very important as a sign. It's a gift from God. It was a gift to the Hebrew people. that They were His chosen people. This gift is a sign. Remember it says, Mike, to, to this particular people who had been called and a sign of that covenant. It wasn't a sign of the covenant over there to people on the other side of the world. It wasn't a sign to these people over here on the other side of the continent. This people, a particular unique sign. So Jesus walks in and tells this man, he heals this man, which they're wondering, is he doing a work here to heal on on the Sabbath? 
And this won't be the only time that we see Sabbath raised, even in John, but as through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that theme comes, that picture comes. As you read your, your scriptures in your devotional time, you'll notice the word Sabbath comes up, and when it comes up, it means there's, there's some conflict taking place between Jesus and these people. Well, then the Sabbath was very important regarding the well-being of the nation as a whole and personally. To violate the Sabbath was a threat not only to a person themselves, but it was somehow a threat to the nation in their, in their thinking that they would, as a nation, be judged from God because of violation of the Sabbath. We would just want to turn into the prophets just in a couple of places. But here we have the law of Moses. But then we have the prophets also saying, hey people, you're not obeying the Sabbath. Isaiah chapter 56. Isaiah chapter 56 verse 1. Thus says the Lord, Keep justice and do righteousness, for soon my salvation will come and my righteousness be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this and the son of man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it, and keeps his hand from doing evil. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant. I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants and everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The, the prophets calling the people to remember the Sabbath. You always see that connection in, in Isaiah there in verse 6, chapter 56, verse 6. Love the name of the Lord who keeps the Sabbath, who does not profane it, who holds fast to my covenant. That's all immersed in the covenant of God. It's set apart. It's made holy for God. It's a special time. It's a special day. It's a time of reflection and a time of remembrance and a time of joy and a time of repentance. All of these things in their, their life because they are the called people of God. As I say, it's just not a day to sleep in or to uh, use it in uh, some other kind of a wasteful way. Also in Jeremiah chapter 17, just quickly, verse 21 really verse 19 through 27, but in verse 21, thus says the Lord, take care for the sake of your lives and do not burden, do not bear a burden on the Sabbath day or bring it in by the gates of Jerusalem and do not carry a burden out of your houses on the Sabbath 
or do any work, but keep the Sabbath day holy as I commanded your fathers, yet they did not listen or incline their ear, but stiffened their neck, that they might not hear and receive instruction. But if you listen to me, declares the Lord, and bring in no burden by the gates of this city on the Sabbath day, but keep the Sabbath day holy and do no work on it, then there shall enter, then there shall enter by the gates of this city kings and princes who sit on the throne of David, riding in chariots and on horses, they and their officials, the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And this city shall be inhabited forever. And it continues on through uh, Jeremiah on into verse 27. But if you do not listen to me to keep the Sabbath day holy and do not and not to bear a burden and enter by the gates of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, then I will kindle a fire in its gates and it shall devour the places of Jerusalem and shall not be quenched. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 27. So, the religious leaders, the people of Israel, would see Sabbath violation as a threat to their own well-being. Personally, and, and we read, we didn't look at it here today, but there's an account of a man who died, was killed specifically by the command of the Lord for breaking the Sabbath. So, for these people, Jesus to come along and, in their mind, tell this man to break the Sabbath, it was just highly offensive. Not only was the man breaking the Sabbath, in their mind, not only was Jesus breaking the Sabbath, he was telling someone to break the Sabbath. That just inflamed them and infuriated them. See, they have all of this that we've looked at, all of this backlog, this, this history this tra tradition, this actual scriptural tradition, they added to it, but they actually have Moses, they have Isaiah, they have Jeremiah. They're seeing this picture. Don't violate the Sabbath. It'll be bad for you, but the judgment of God coming on us as a people, and we sure don't want to get exiled. Highly offensive, highly concerned. Well, the Sabbath was intended actually to be a, a, a day of, of rest where Israel would focus their attention on some things. Quite naturally, the human experience is that it, it benefits human beings to have a day just, just physically. Have a day where our body can recover from the strains of the a week. But beyond that, there, this time of, of rest was really to, to be a time, it was intended to be a time where some very important things took place in the hearts of the people. They were to consider and focus their attention on the holiness of God. It's so, so, so much activity in, in cultivating the fields and raising animals and running a stall, a little business in the marketplace, and all of that activity that, that, that concerned them at that time and would concern you at this time, all of that activity, take, take a break from that. 
just take a break. It, it, of course, would be good for physically and, and mentally, but more so spiritually. Take a break from all of that distraction and remember the wonders of God, the holiness of God, the, the uniqueness, the separ separation of, from God, from, from His people. He's a creator God, unlike all of the other gods of the world. Remember what God had, had done and then reflecting on our, ourselves and, and remembering that, gosh, we're a set-apart people and we have this need for, for righteousness. God is holy and God is righteous and and. I'm not righteous. What are we going to do about that? What's God doing in our life about in, in our life to take us in that direction? And a need for personal repentance. The prophets continually calling people to the repentance, but God's setting out a special time. This is a time you come together, your family comes together, a community comes comes together, but but not just for any old reason. It's a day that God's made holy that we take a, a, a break from and remember these wonderful truths from Scripture, the holiness of God, that this need for, for righteousness, that God's got to, how do we get righteous? How, how are we going to find forgiveness? And to think about those things, to pass those along to others in teaching, and to remember that, that, that there's a hope in the future that that there will be this rest again, entering into the rest of God permanently sometime in the future. There was this rest of God that Adam and Eve experienced in, in the garden, perfection. And then that's lost in Genesis chapter 3. But God has always set out the hope that there will be a day. There will be a day when this restoration takes place, this paradise, this, this true rest from labor remembering God remember that God's acts of mercy see Jesus comes in on the Sabbath and all of these these religious leaders they're consumed with the 39 categories and their subcategories and whether someone broke broke one of those well now given the context that we've taken some time to look at we can kind of see the perspective that they're coming at. They're, they're coming at this Sabbath situation is really, really important. We want to make sure that nobody's breaking the Sabbath. We want to make sure. So they get con concerned with the rules. And it just didn't come out of left field. As I say, it's informed. We can kind of see their position. But Jesus comes along and says, you've missed it. You've missed the purpose of the Sabbath. It's not about giving, laying loads of burdens on people, whether they're a paralytic or another person. Rules that they that, that it's impossible for them to keep all kinds of rules. They don't even know how many. There's so many of them. They can't. The people can't even keep track of them. Very few of the Pharisees could keep track of them. It's not about that. Jesus comes in to that man at that pool on that day and extends an act of mercy. Sovereign mercy. That man did nothing to receive that mercy. In fact, <laughs> in fact, he's, he's a super, he's a believer in superstition. <laughs> 
And Jesus comes and talks to him, and he's still, he's, he's, he's I want to get in this water, but I can't get in the water. And then when something miraculous happens to the man, <laughs> what's he do? Well, that man told me to. The Pharisees want to know, what is this? And he says, well, that guy, the guy who, he told me, not me. He blames Jesus. And he is so locked on and so attuned to Jesus that what we, what we read is in verse 13 of John chapter 5. Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was. He had been lame and healed from being lame, being paralyzed for 38 years and he didn't know who did it. He, 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 just, he said, well, that man, he's not going to accept any responsibility himself for carrying his mat and breaking the Sabbath. But that man over there, he, he's some kind of guy. He, he hits your legs back you know, after all of this and he, he disassociates yourself with him. Wow. But Jesus comes in and the picture is, the, one of the pictures is mercy. And he's going to challenge the Pharisees. What's wrong with you Pharisees? I'm summarizing, of course. What's wrong with you Pharisees? You, you're going to condemn someone because of an act of mercy on the Sabbath? And your whole history of a people is receiving mercy from God. You have completely missed what the Sabbath was intended to teach. Now, we'll look at it on another week, but you may remember the story of Jesus and his disciples going along and picking some grain out of the, out of the field. <laughs> Who said you could do? What are you doing? And Jesus points them to King David and what, what David did. So locked up in, the, in their details of keeping the Sabbath that something something merciful at the pool or satisfying hunger, what? Well, they wouldn't have any of that. So th this was what it was intended to mean. This is such an such a important day for the religious leaders, but then Jesus comes along, and what's Jesus do? He asserts his authority. Again, we'll look at that more here in the weeks to come, but He's asserting his authority. Who do you think you are? Walking in here and doing on the Sabbath day. You can kind of hear like when he walked in the temple, you know, and overturned those days. Who do you think you are? See, Jesus comes along. He comes along in your life. He comes along in my life. He comes along in all of our lives. And Jesus always has a better way. He always has a better way. John chapter 2. Remember those pots? Those purification vessels? Jesus has a better way. Far exceeds anything that those pots could hold. He goes into the, the temple and all that's going on in the temple. Jesus has a better way. Chapter 3. He comes to to meet Nicodemus. Nicodemus is, well, he, he's very devout to his religion. All of this 
Nicodemus asked, what about this? I don't understand this. And, well, you, must be, you, must, you must be born again. Jesus has a better way. He comes to the woman at the well. She says, what about this mountain? What about that mountain? Jesus said, I'll, I'll tell you something. I've got a better way. <laughs> he, he walks into this scene. John takes us into in chapter 5. This paralytic says, I cannot get into this water. I've got a better way. Jesus always has a better way. The Sabbath was put into place to be a blessing to people. It was to serve people. Again, on another week, we'll look at the passage. It's not that man is made for the Sabbath. It's that the Sabbath was made for man. It's to be a, a blessing and it, it's to be a help. So Jesus comes along and he fulfills what the Sabbath is pointing towards. He comes just as he fulfills all that circumcision pointed towards. Uh, he, he, he's fulfilling the Mosaic law is fulfilled in, in Jesus. That righteousness is fulfilled in Jesus. Uh, the, the rest that is promised to God's people is fulfilled in Jesus. We, you, followers of Jesus, receive a righteousness. What about that forgiveness? What about that righteousness, that holiness of God, that holy, a holy God in a holy day what about that? And I'm not. Jesus comes with a better way and we receive His righteousness through His life and through His work on the cross in that substitutionary atonement. And Jesus comes along and gives us and shows us that guaranteed inheritance, that future paradise guaranteed in Jesus. Not in keeping with the religion, the religious tradition, not in keeping the law of Moses, it had its place at its, his, at its time. But today, Jesus has come with a better way. Jesus guarantees our inheritance for that, that, that paradise, eternal life, that paradise with God. Now in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, this well-known section is recorded by Matthew. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart. And you will find, there it is, rest. You will find rest for your souls. Maybe we could say, you will find Sabbath. Mark interjecting there, Pastor Mark interjecting a word. We, you, will find rest, Sabbath, for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
Now, that passage has been committed to memory by many, of course. But if you're in your Bibles, chapter 11, you see the passage. What is the immediate section referring to? You probably have a section heading in your Bibles, in your study Bibles, that says Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. And he, 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 we have that wonderful passage there, verse 7. We won't read the whole passage. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the guiltless for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Well, you talk about lighting up a bunch of religious leaders. Now Jesus is doing it there. Now we know we have the context. But right before that section on Sabbath, he's saying, come to me and I'll give you rest. I'll give you what the Sabbath was pointing towards. I'll give you rest. Now, what does this mean for us today? What, what connection can we make to this today? I've tried to lay out the picture that this, this sign was given to the people of Israel, the, the, the people under the Mosaic Covenant. Jesus comes along and there's something better that Jesus brings along. Are, are, what about us today? Should, should we be observant of this Sabbath? Well, actually, in the New Testament, every day should be devoted to Jesus, and no, no matter what we do. But, but should we cling to that, that seventh day? Well, the reason, the picture that we see in the New Testament is the, the, the elevation of the first day of the week. In the resurrection account we come to in seven months ahead when we're looking in John, the empty tomb is discovered on the first day of the week. Jesus comes to his disciples, resurrected Lord on the first day of the week. The, the church is meeting on the first day of the week by all accounts. That, that's in the New Testament. Outside of the New Testament, the very early church in those first days were meeting on the first day of the week, gathered together to celebrate the resurrection, the fulfillment of the Mosaic Covenant, the, the, the celebrating the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says this in Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 through 19. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon, be the first of the month, or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Christians through the centuries and we today gather on Sunday because the substance belongs to Christ in honor of His resurrection, honor of who He is, the exalted Lord of the universe, that the substance of all what we have seen today, the Sabbath and the Mosaic covenant, the substance of that is Jesus. Therefore, we should be worshiping every day. That's what we're called to do is devote our whole and 
is devoted to God. But Paul says, don't, don't let someone pass judgment on, on a Sabbath. 18. Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism, worship of angels, going into detail about visions, huffed up about, without reason about his, by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grow with the growth that is from God. So Paul is specifically saying, let no one judge you according to this. There's freedom of conscience in the New Testament. Should Christians lift up as holy the, the name of God, reflect on our need for God, His holiness, our not being holy, His righteousness, our not being righteous, His, the righteousness that He provides us. Should we be reflecting on the forgiveness? Should we be reflecting on the, the promise that's given in the future? Well, what do you think? Yes, we should be reflecting on that and focusing on that and having intentional times when we focus on that. But do we need to obey it? Do we need to obey the Sabbath? The Sabbath, as it's described in the Mosaic Covenant, we need to, to, to observe that and not uh, dishonor God. Or observe it to honor God. Jesus fulfills it. He, he fulfills the, the, the covenant. He fulfills the law. You, we, have freedom in, in Christ. And we... Christians all over the world gather on Sunday to, to exalt Jesus, who He is, as the fulfillment of what the Old Covenant pointed towards and that promise of eternal rest. So there's a question. What impact would one entire day each week of labor season and Christ-focused attention have in your life. For me, as I, I read the passages that we've gone over today and I look at this passage and I think about the Sabbath, I'm glad of the liberation that Jesus gives us. I'm glad about that. I'm glad not to be under the old covenant, set free from that burden. But are there some things also that we can learn from? These people were called to set aside this day. These people, it's not that they didn't think about God during their work during the week. Some would not have, but many did. But they're called to set aside a day when that's what they focus their attention on, themselves personally and with their family. A, a time of refreshment, a time of renewal. I wonder what that would be like for our life. If we're not careful or we could slide into some sort of legalism, and I mean legalism in the technical sense, and when we're trying to earn God's salvation or earn our sanctification by some observance, someone, some might claim that. But I, I just, I, I just wonder if many times there's not kind of the 
the, the idea of, well, we're not there. We, we don't have that. We're not under that obligation. Scripturally, we're not under that obligation today. Nine of the Ten Commandments are repeated in the New Testament. Christians, New Testament believers are not commanded in the New Testament on, on the Sabbath. So we, Jesus has fulfilled that. So can we just move on in our life and presume upon grace and, and, and just live our life as we want to? When I get around to it, you know, I'll, I'll give a little time to some Bible reading or maybe gathering with believers, you know, every four, five, six weeks, something like that. Get a little, continue a little flavor. I can see your faces. You know where I'm going with this. I just wonder if that's what God really intended. Not in a legalistic way, for sure. Don't ever hear me say that. And not, not on a particular day, although we exalt, you know, Sunday is a special day. The first day of the week. That doesn't mean we can't gather for worship in other days of the week. When Lydia and I were in, in Egypt because of their cultural context, that, that they gather on Friday. That's plainly appropriate in that context. Wonderful church. Gathering on Friday. Wonderful. But, it, but it, it's their day. You see what I mean? It's their day. They, they're gathering and, and they're, they're resting. They're Sabbathing. They're, they're growing. They're, remember, they're remembering the things of God. Do we have the confidence in God that, that He'll supply for us if we, if we give that day to Him? For me, it brings reflection in my own heart, conviction in my own heart. I just present it as a question what it might look like. And for some, that is the picture. But for others, maybe growing and asking God to help us grow into that kind of a, a picture might really be helpful. Might really be helpful for us personally and in our own spiritual growth, our devotion to God. It might really have a great impact on other days of the week as well. So that's just a just a question. A day focusing on a day. Focusing. So here we are, John chapter 5. We've got a picture of what the Sabbath is. Now, as Jesus goes into that conflict with those Pharisees and he makes a declaration on who he is, they know, we already read it in verse 18, they know very clearly what he's saying. Now we know the picture, where they're coming from and why they are so, so offended. And we'll look at that next week.